following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. I'll be darned. That's a uh, that's our old minute of darkness theme song. I don't know how that happened. Uh, Eric, how are you? Well, actually, Brad, I've I've been frozen stiff, and I'm ever so slightly concerned what might become of me. <laughs> <laughs> we are at minute twenty-four of Flash Gordon, and our very very special guest, my old co-host from Minute of Darkness. Ryan, Ryan, how are you doing? Brad, I'm doing great. It's been a long time. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing real good. And uh, even more excitement to add even more excitement to this. We have Ryan's lovely wife, my dear, dear friend, Katie. Katie, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I am. Uh, I am great. This is very exciting. Just having a, a lot of my favorite people on, on at the same time, and this is uh, this is great. We're we're gonna have a fun week. So. Uh, Boy, Eric, this is uh, th- this is pretty cool. And you've actually been – this is actually not your first time sharing the airwaves with Ryan and Katie. We, we all did a uh, Cosmic Geppetto together. Yes, we discussed the Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, trailer. Yep, yep. We've certainly shared waves before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a great week. We have some amazing minutes coming up. Uh, you, you guys uh, – you, you, you picked well, uh, or you were assigned well. So this is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a this is a great week, and this is a great minute. Absolutely. So Eric, you you are our recapper. Uh, what what do we have going on in minute twenty four? Well, we start out uh, in the middle of Prince Thun being told uh, by Ming that to show his loyalty, he has to fall upon his sword. Um, and it starts out here, uh, we get a, we have a close-up of Prince Thun's face, and I think this is a great piece of acting here by George Harris, because right before it cuts away from the close-up, there's this very subtle expression change, his, his facial expression just subtly changes from shock 
to resolve just for like a half a second before the camera cuts away. And I think it, it, it looks like, you know, he's made the decision. He's going to try to kill Ming because he knows he's dead either way. So he's going to at least he's going to give it a shot. Do you think in his own head, he's doing the calculations. You're right. He knows he's going to die anyway. Why not you know, go for Ming? But he had to know this was going to fail. I mean, did he think he actually had a chance of killing Ming? Did he hope that he was going to lead an uprising? Everyone else would see him sacrificing himself and they would join in the revolution? Or what What do you think was the end game in his head? I, I, I think he, he felt he had a one in a thousand chance of doing it. And so he figured I may as well because I'm, I'm a dead man in the next 30 seconds anyway. So let me at least show my people, you know, that I'm going to go out. Uh, like the king that I am, like the prince that I am, I guess. Yeah, so, Katie and uh, Ryan, does that does that match up? Was in your head, or did you have a different take on it? No, I think that's absolutely right. But I think the misstep was I think he didn't realize how far away he was. He like when he turns around, he like even if he had thrusted faster, he would have he wouldn't have even hit him. So I think he miscalculated <laughs> how close he was. Couple of one thing that really stood out um, for me in this scene was the um, <clears throat> and excuse me I, I don't know what its name is but the the hovering robot the psycho flying death orb there you go um, <laughs> so like it it starts to hover above his head um, when he points the sword to his chest so it's almost like it was onto him and uh, it's actually what froze him in place it wasn't anything of like Ming's doing it and like I caught that in my like super inebriated state surprisingly when i first watched this movie a week ago um and i i was like no no i saw that correctly it was like it was kind of like it, it kind of knew what was up so i i on the ai's part i thought it was kind of cool obviously it's a great shot of timothy dalton in the back too yeah yeah and i mean the the psycho flying death orb has multiple settings because a few minutes ago it vaporized a lizard man but here it doesn't vaporize Prince Thun, who's actually actively trying to kill its master, he just freezes him. So I think playing up the, the AI, the AI knows, let me just freeze him because I think Ming wants to kill him himself. Yeah, like make an example out of him. Like it, yeah. was, it was a very smart play on the AI. I thought it was a really cool part of that, of uh, the scene in particular. Oh, oh that, that, that death ball. It, it, it knows Ming. It knows that Ming looks so satisfied when he just slowly walks down. The prince is frozen, but he, his eyes are still moving. He, he, he's obviously aware of what's going on. And Ming just really enjoying the moment where he gets to stab the prince with his own sword. It's like, wow, that, that's a dick move, Ming. I mean, he, he, does the, he does the finger wiggle again. As he walks up to him, he's, he's wiggling the fingers. He, he is psyched. And... It, 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 stabs the prince with his own sword. Uh, his soldiers, his men have no choice but to basically just catch his body and they're completely cowed. Uh, Ryan's right, you do have a sort of close-up on uh, Timothy Dalton and Brian Blessed and they both... Uh, and, we, and we talked about it last week. These are all guys who are more than happy to battle each other and kill each other, but they don't want to see each other go down like that. Yeah, the other... The other Ardentians, like you said, they run towards their prince to catch him, but nobody else in that throne room even stirs even a muscle. There's a woman on the far right of the screen standing up there on the stage. You would think she's she's watching a, a you know water boil. She doesn't move a muscle. It's almost like everyone in Mongo knows you do not react or you're going to get killed too. We are going to stand here and just we're going to watch Ming do what he's going to do. 
So uh, one thing I caught is it's funny little details, um, and, and it's what this movie does so well. Ming stabs him with his the prince with his own sword, and the sword is covered in the prince's blood. What what color is the prince's blood? I, uh, I as I, I've addressed, I believe, on the show before. I am colorblind, so I'm not actually. I, I know it ain't people color. Blue. Blue. It almost seems like a deep teal. Do you even know what teal is? <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. I didn't know we were going to get that I think Ryan might be colorblind as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's my mouse color set to? If that's not teal, what is that? That's teal. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes around saying everything's teal, and eventually he knows he'll be right. Exactly. <laughs> like a broken clock is right twice a day. There exactly. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. And that was a, a good thing to do because the prince... His group are some of the more human-looking characters. You don't have the wings on them. Uh, and just to, that reminder is like, yeah, this is a really alien world. They don't even bleed like we do. And uh, those reminders of it. There's a whole – this is all a lot of Ming playing with his food. So there's not a lot of individual actions. It's just he's having some great uh, Max von Sydow just lapping all of this, this situation up. Yeah, I want to I want to put something to a vote here among uh, the three of you. There's a really cool sound effect when Ming's prying the fingers off of the sword handle, and you hear the noise. Is he breaking his fingers, or is he just cracking the prince's knuckles? Let's take a vote. I'm gonna say cracking knuckles. I'm gonna say breaking fingers. If he's if, um, if he was in such a state where he couldn't move. Um, he was probably like total like rigor mortis. Uh, he's probably breaking his fingers. All right, Katie, you're you're the deciding vote. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna and not just because I'm married to him. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to agree with Ryan because I really I think this guy is like frozen, and it makes more sense to me that those fingers would just be like crack. Well, listen, I know, and people who've listened to Cosmic Geppetto and Minute of Darkness know it probably pained you a little agreeing with your husband. You wouldn't just agree with Ryan because. You married him. That, that that was actually probably uh, going against him, right? Yeah, this is like more out of character. <laughs> <laughs> Which surprises me because I'm an agreeable guy and it's fun to agree with me. I agree and it's fun to agree with me. There's no fun in disagreeing. Am I right? But you're not always right, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. We're t- we're Proving t- the point uh, right uh, there. A couples <laughs> therapy session live here on Flash Gordon Minute. This is our therapy session. I think it's going really great. What do you think? <laughs> We're making really great strides. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, I got a question, and I I don't know what second this is at. Maybe, oh, it's around maybe second 40, where it's right after he stabs him, and the, the woman who's dressed in uh, white the with the crystal top, um, she looks over to her left, and she stares. She, Okay, it's minute uh, 49. So a second 49. She looks over to her left, and there's three people holding three green eggs. Any insight on what the significance is there? I, I, I caught it at first, and I was curious about what your thoughts were. I always read that scene as those, that, whoever those people are, because never, they're never named in the movie, that they're like, uh-oh, I wonder if we should have brought that other tribute we discussed. Uh, I hope this is good enough and we don't get killed. Now, as they're wearing gold, do you think they're with um, Prince... Um, oh, God, I forgot his Prince name. Prince who just got killed? Prince who just got killed with Blue Blood Guy? <laughs> I don't think so, because the Prince Thun's guys all appear to be that group of, of guys off to the right behind him who all run kind of dressed similarly, pretty similar. I think that this that person is... 
I, I, this is just my reading of the scene, is, is the leader of the three people holding the three green football eggs. And I think it's them all just like, uh, oh boy, yeah, I, boy, if Ming doesn't like what we brought with us, we're in real deep. <laughs> that would be great. They could have probably added one or two more groups just all looking at their presence is like, oh, crap. I shouldn't have gotten them that uh, football phone I got as a free gift for my subscription <laughs> to uh, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, he's going to know you regifted that. That little robot thing's going to tattle on you. Oh, that robot thing is such a narc. <laughs> and that's sort of where the minute ends with, uh, you know, Flashy's. Dale's upset, obviously, with seeing a guy get stabbed to death in front of her and uh, wants to be held by Flash because that's sort of what Dale does. And uh, Flash just sort of mumbling, this Ming's a psycho, which, boy, that just doesn't seem like a big enough phrase to explain Ming's particular psychoses. (laughs) And uh, the, the death ball is starting to rat him out, but that's sort of where, but that's where the minute ends. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, I, I, I guess this is what we should expect from Flash. Flash really should be keeping his mouth shut and not insulting the guy who just had a person frozen so he could stab him through the, through his kidneys. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if the guy kills him because he didn't have a tribute, what's going to, you know, call him a psycho. I mean, I guess you could get maybe cut him a break. He didn't know Psycho Flying Death Orb hears all. Yeah, but the orb's shown itself to to be pretty impressive. It it, it realizes Zarkov had the gun in the previous minutes and like melt or vaporize it out of his pocket. And uh, as pointed up earlier in this minute, the ball was a step ahead of the prince. So yeah, you know, just I don't know. Flash, just maybe shut up. <laughs> Is there anything the Psycho Flying Death Orb can't do? No, it's a. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a cutscene somewhere of it just flying up to Ming right as he's about ready to, and lighting a cigarette for him as he like gets red. <laughs> it's really uh, Ming's radar O'Reilly. <laughs> now, uh, listeners, you you can tell who is what age on this because Eric got a chuckle all of that. Katie and Ryan, no crickets because. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I got nothing there. <laughs> 70s and 80s sitcoms placed, uh, taking place in Korea do not like factor into their uh, their pop culture dialogue. Wait, was that a MASH reference? That yes. was a MASH reference. Hey, at least I knew what you were talking about with the description. <laughs> That's because my dad good. watched that show. Ooh, ouch. We're only in our <laughs> 40s, Brad. Deep burns. Then you need some aloe. <laughs> <laughs> For context, and I think I might have actually made a Raider O'Reilly joke during the run of Minute of Darkness. Uh, and yeah, I didn't get it. <laughs> this might be the second time we've had this conversation. We recommend everyone subscribe to. <laughs> we recommend everyone subscribe to and download all episodes of Minute of Darkness to find the Raider O'Reilly joke that already happened. <laughs> but Radar was like the the, the clerk for the, uh, the the mobile army unit and was very good at like sort of predicting what everyone needed before they even knew they needed it themselves. Like a flying death orb, but, you know, nerdier. Now, we have some cool Clytus stuff I want to point out. Uh, Ryan and Katie Clytus is probably my favorite character in the movie. Oh, he stands out. Again, first time I watched it, he was one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, I, I just, I love him. I love everything about him. We see for the first time his right arm, and it's covered in this completely golden sleeve. It's just it's just awesome. 
I, I, you know, I, I kind of can't have the words to say how awesome I think it is. And he's just got this golden arm. It's funny because there's just so many great pieces to Claudius, aside from the great voice and the amazing mask that sort of the, the in, improbably move, his jaw moves while talking, even though there's no reason that it should. And gosh, when we've talked a little bit about before how uncomfortable and impractical that mask was, and then it's like, oh, by the way, I also have a cool arm. It's like, <laughs> there's just so many layers to Clytus. Well, and we also see his full outfit for the first time. So you see that emblem design on, um, on, his, on his shirt. And uh, when I was doing research for the show, I went on Amazon to see what kind of T-shirts... Amazon sells related to this movie, and there's actually very few. But one of the shirts available is that Clytus emblem. You can get it on a T-shirt. Oh, cool! Yeah, man. If you're you're wearing that at a restaurant and somebody recognizes it, you know you have a true friend. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know, the Flash Gordon emblem. People, regardless if you've seen the movie or you know, people know what that is, of course. If somebody recognizes the Clytus symbol, not only have they seen the movie, they've seen the movie a lot of times because it'll take a few go-arounds for that to really sink in. Yeah, I uh, I caught the golden sleeve and I, I appreciated the subtlety of it. I mean, like, that whole get-up, um, I mean, there was a lot of thought put into his costume and, like, you know, how he's presented in front of the camera. But, like, I, I might be wrong about this, but, like, I mean, th- it, there's not a lot of, like, I guess, real focus on, like, his, his whole wardrobe at any point, really. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems like maybe, I don't know, it kind of seemed like in the beginning of the movie it was, like, super on point, but at the end of the movie I noticed it kind of, like, maybe didn't have as much detail. It might have been wrong. That might have been, the you know, the booze. But um, um, I also wanted to see, I guess, more of him uh, and his get-up. Well, when we were watching this movie last week, we actually watched it with a friend of ours whose name is also Eric. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to us, he's actually uh, knows a lot about this movie. And he was saying that um, at the beginning of the movie, they had like this big budget. And so they spent all this money on the costumes and everything. And then they started to run out of money. <laughs> so towards the end of the movie, you kind of see everything kind of lessen in complexity and... Uh, cost. <laughs> it's been addressed. Yes, this is a, such a crazy movie for such elaborate costumes and such great set pieces and some uh, like obviously uh, instances where no expense was spared. No expense was spared, and then it's like, okay, it looks like they actually spent fifty cents on this scene. The, the movie is such a weird mix of that of the the, the extravagant and the uh, penny pinching. Yeah, I mean they came out pretty strong in this throne. Yeah, Brad, what did we figure out the budget was? It was. Was it twenty million? I'm trying to remember. I know we brought it up at a previous show. Yeah, we want to say twenty million in in a nineteen eighty money. That's a pretty good budget, you know, adjusted for. Yeah, I mean that's more than the original Star Wars cost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it still astounds me. Uh, let me double check that. I think yeah, we did come up with twenty minutes, but let me share yeah, our friend Wikipedia. Oh, we've already got it up. You're right. Yeah, budget twenty million. So they did. That's a real nice budget. Um, and it sometimes it really shows, and sometimes, and, and like Eddie said, they, it was obvious they front loaded a lot of those, uh, a lot of that money, and then they just ran out. It, 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 and it's always funny that I feel like that doesn't well because we're in a CGI world now. It, it doesn't seem like running out of budget happens as much anymore. But folks, that used to happen quite a bit, and there would be just movies where you would find out that they had to completely rewrite the ends of movies or certain scenes in movies because it's like, uh, we're out of money. 
Yeah, nowadays you hear that movies go over budget. You never hear them run out of budget. Well, as we're uh, as we're recording this, the Justice League movie just uh, came out on Blu-ray, or is about to come out on Blu-ray. I think it might have just came out, but uh, so much talk about how they spent what was it, twenty-five million dollars to uh, digitally erase the mustache on Henry Cavill as Superman. <laughs> giving him a weird baby mouth, as uh, many criticized. <laughs> that just gives you an idea. It's like Justice League spent a, an amount greater than the budget of this movie on erasing a mustache. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. <sighs> yeah, that, that was well, getting off track. We, we should try to cross over with um, the Mission Impossible Minute guys for this. Yeah, he... They filmed. He, he filmed it. He then had to grow a mustache for the new Mission Impossible movie, and then he had to come back for reshoots, and he couldn't get rid of the mustache. He was contractually obligated to keep his facial hair for the Mission Impossible movie because Hollywood's just weird. The only other note I had from this minute uh, goes back to Prince Thun, just um, when he's about to stab himself, but before he tries to kill Ming, I noticed that he's holding the sword, both hands, not the handle, the actual sword. So... Uh, doesn't quite come across that that sword is particularly sharp. Uh, that, that the prop was clearly made very safe, and uh, they didn't bother trying to hide that. Well, I did notice that when he when he does get stabbed, it just it, like there's like no effort. So <laughs> suddenly, it must have gotten really sharp. <laughs> just don't grab the pointy end. You'll be fine. The, the, the sides they're dull. That, that that's for buttering stuff. Um, really liked the shots with Clytus, kind of talked about that. I uh, really liked the, um, teal blood on the end of the blade. I think that was pretty interesting. <laughs> like, um, the one thing like that crossed my mind again, you know, I, I had had a few too many, um, you know, brew dogs at that point when I saw this movie, but I was like, you know, did he stab him in the stomach? Cause this dude's an alien. We don't know what's in his stomach. Maybe his, maybe his heart was in his stomach or maybe it was his brain. He seemed to die really quickly and I didn't see a lot of blood. So like, I was like, oh, wait, well, maybe he stabbed something else. It wasn't just like a stomach wound, you know? That's ridiculous, but, you know, I just wanted to make a, make a point of that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of uh, in Star Trek VI, I believe. Oh, yeah. When William Shatner kicks an alien in the knee and the dude just drops, and another alien says, oh, that wasn't his knee. Not all aliens keep their genitals in the same place. Yeah, that's it's actually a bit of a sci-fi trope. The Whenever they're fighting aliens, it's like, no, that's that's where his testicles are on that species. <laughs> I remember that in the movie Alien Nation, uh, they did the same thing where it turns out it was sort of uh, under their ar- it was under their armpits, so they had to like James Con was always like just hit him bet- hit him under his armpits. That that's where his that's where his private parts are. I was like okay, and he saved himself later in the movie by doing exactly that. And there was even a scene in the the, the most recent episode of uh i mean the most recent season of um rick and morty where there were they did a variant of that where uh, do we have any rick and morty fans um you know i've seen one episode and it was amazing but i just i I haven't taken the time uh always the diplomat yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) i'm a very agreeable guy (laughs) yeah katie and i both just said no It, there was an episode where, of course, Rick and Morty, people who aren't watched, uh, uh, Rick is this evil genius, uh, but a bit unhinged character, uh, like science, pretty much a, almost a science villain. 
uh, definitely an anti-hero. And Morty is his grandson that joins him on adventures. And they had a flashback to where they had an alien captured. And Rick's like, we're, we're, we're going to have to we're gonna have to get the information out of him. It's like, grab those two things that are hanging from his chin. And Rick says, and Morty's like, grabs it. And the alien's like, just in apparently obvious pain. And it's like, it says, I'll talk, I'll talk. It's like, okay, tell him if he talks, you'll help him finish. Morty's like, wait a minute, what do you mean? What do you mean help him finish? It turns out he, he was manually satisfying the alien. Oh my. Yeah, it's a dark show. So, uh, what about you, Katie? Any uh, Anything else that popped out at you from this minute? No, I just really dug all the costumes. Um, they were borderline inappropriate, though. Like, when the um, prince went up to stab himself, I thought there was potential that I might see his junk, but thankfully I didn't. <laughs> or unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... <laughs> We've had a little bit of discussion about how these costumes are uh, don't necessarily leave the greatest amount to the imagination. We're going to have a lot Wait more talk about tomorrow's ab- episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, t- t- tomorrow, I think it- it's, it's a minute some people have been waiting for us to talk about because uh, including your co-host. Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, some some good stuff. Uh, but er- everyone, it, it, just when the hawk people show up and. They're basically just wearing like furry diapers and uh, wings. Uh, the costumes are amazing in this movie. Uh, it's, it's the one thing that just is consistently great and does such a good job of conveying the movie. And they do a great job of uh, with, with that. So very cool. That's, that's, that's a good call out. Before we go any further, we, 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 we haven't had a chance to talk too much about your guy's relationship with this movie. And Ryan, you said, you know, last week watching it for the first time, do you mean Actually, this was the first time you've watched Flash Gordon, or is this the first time you watched it for um, in relationship to this podcast? Or the first yeah, time you, you watched know. it while having some beers? <laughs> that too. There was a first time for everything last week. Um, you know, I was talking with Eric a little bit about this, but um, again, you know, like I, I am a child of the '80s. Like I, I, if it's in the '80s and it was sci-fi, I am into it. Like, like I was saying earlier um, uh, before we started recording, like Last Starfighter, Crawl. Excalibur, Lady Hawk, you name it. Like I, I'm into it. You know, like even my science project, which is super obscure, but I like I love that movie. I have never seen this movie. It's the one that fell through the cracks for me, and it got like really weird up a, a couple years ago. Where I'm like, God, I haven't seen this movie, and like it's it's almost like the 40 year old version. Like it kept going like longer and longer, and it got weirder and weirder for me. So I was like, Well, I'm gonna watch this in true fashion. I'm gonna I'm gonna have drinks and I'm gonna watch this movie and. Uh, I just wish I had more time with it, so I'm looking forward to, to uh, several more rewatches. Oh, glad, glad it, uh, it worked for you. Uh, now, now, Katie, what about you? Had you seen this before? Nope, that was my first time as well. Um, I am not a child of the '80s, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's no surprise that I haven't seen this movie. But um, I was glad to finally get to enjoy. <laughs> in all its grandeur and you're not you're not a movie buff like the the rest of us you you, you certainly enjoy movies but uh you, you've always been a little bit more of a reader and uh I, I know you seem like um whenever you and i talk about movies you're excited about the movies of the books that you've enjoyed yes absolutely i might even read a movie while watching a mo- read a book while watching a movie <laughs> 
Uh, well, as uh, I think Eric, you just called out, that there is a novelization of this movie, so maybe that's your chance to sort of reverse engineer this. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Good to know. I don't know. I don't think this particular version of Flash uh, would really uh, be, be as engaging if uh, n- not with Sam Jones doing his thing. I, I think this Flash might be a little bland on paper. Well, I have a question then. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, remakes are very popular these days. They who, are. Uh, who would play Flash if they were to do this movie this year? Ooh. Hmm. I don't think that's a great, that's a great question. We have not pondered that. Yeah, yeah. And we've asked a lot of different casting questions, but who would be Flash now? If If you guys... If you guys top what we got, I will be very impressed. Well, I feel like they would hire someone who's still in his 20s because they would want to make sure they had someone who can make at least three movies over the course of five or six years. (laughs) That's a good point. And I'm horrible with people's ages. I'll say my first instinct, and unfortunately the part's a little too close to something he's already doing, but my first thought, especially if you're going to do this version of Flash, you're going to do the sort of, you know, likable athlete but not necessarily the smartest guy in the room uh i i I think chris pratt would be an interesting choice for this i think he could sort of do what sam jones is doing and uh have a sort of a fun take on it and basically really turn it you know lean into the andy dwyer if andy dwyerness uh of flash so that was one of our original considerations we also considered Chris Helmsworth and Chris Evans, because you need to consider all of the Chris's when considering one Chris. But I'm going to let Eric weigh in before we tell you who we came up with. Uh, uh, I'm going to stall for time here. Um, It's interesting that, uh, Brad, that you mentioned Chris Pratt because, and, 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 and Katie, that you guys brought up remakes because Matthew Vaughn was going to make, remake this movie and actually had signed on to direct the movie. And then he came out and said that they were working on it, but that Guardians of the Galaxy came out and stole exactly what he was going to do. And he felt like he couldn't then make the movie he'd want to make because everyone would just say it was a ripoff of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, then you definitely can't star Chris Pratt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm drawing such a blank here. Well, okay, this is going to go against what I said before how they would probably need to get someone in their 20s but it's just it's the person that's popping up in my head and his name is escaping me but i'm a big fan of agents of shield and the guy who played ward just for some reason he's sticking in my head uh yeah i agent ward yeah the good looking guy who ended up uh, he, he he was sort of the spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert if you never if you haven't watched <laughs> oh the Legend of shield spoiler alert i have seen one. it just totally totally d- d- don't spoil the fact that he's good looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the actor's name is Brett Dalton. Brett Dalton, yeah. Who I actually saw live in person last year. He was at a a Comic Con I attended, and I was like, oh, there's 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 a guy from Agent of Shield, and uh, he's thirty five. He, and he's thirty five. He looks younger than that, so he he could do it. Not not a, not a bad choice at all. Now, can can he be goofy? Has he been in something kind of yeah, like? That's the problem. He's a little too cerebral, I think. But it's just I'm 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 completely choking here on the spot. That's okay. I'm sorry to do that to you. <laughs> I tell you, I, I didn't do, want to do that to you, Eric. I tell you, I hate to keep going back to it, and like I've, I've very limited experience doing podcasts, but 
man, a blonde Bruce Campbell, a blonde <laughs> 30-year-old Bruce Campbell would be amazing for this role. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can't have everything you want. But. Well, so when we were talking about this, uh, and after we eliminated the Chris's, um, we were like, well, what about somebody who's maybe not necessarily an actor, maybe a wrestler? So, of course, my first thought is Chris Jericho, because I love him. But then I was like, no, his acting isn't very good. I mean, he's been in Sharknado, but, you know, that's whatever. Uh, so we came up with John Cena. <laughs> all right. All right. Like, full head of hair, super jacked, and, like, he does Goofy really well. Like, he was, he's actually really funny in Trainwreck. I mean, that, that dude is hysterical. <laughs> so, like, I, I think he could pull off that kind of, like, ditzy, fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants idiot hero type. Um, so anyway, that was John Cena was our pick. That's that's a good call, and he's uh, sort of on his way up. Um, I, I know he's going to be in the Bumblebee Transformers spinoff film. I have also seen the movie Ferdinand twice, where he was the voice of the bull. And you know, it, and I think I, I've said it on the, the the Mothership show that actually says something. Where a guy who you think the whole point of John Cena as an actor is like, hey, there's like a really jacked guy. And the fact that he was entrusted to be the lead voice in a cartoon shows that there's actually a belief in Hollywood that there's more to him than just he's, you know, in good shape. So I, that's a good call. I, I, I would go for that. Eric, what do, you, what do you think of John Cena as Flash? I'm fine with it. All right. All right. Well, that's a good call out. Uh, all right, Eric, do we have anything else for this minute? I don't. All right, guys. Uh Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a good first, uh, a good Tuesday episode. Do you have uh, Do you have anything to plug? Everyone else always has their own minute by minute or something like that. Uh, Katie, you're always involved with Special Olympics, but a- anything else to, to share with our listeners? Well, we are actually raising money right now for Special Olympics Colorado, and if anybody wants to learn more about it, they can check out our webpage at runhoneybadger.run. All right, we will share that link because uh, uh, we, we, we always support you. You've been involved with Special Olympics for a long time, and uh, you always have a great time with it, and uh, you, you've helped raise a lot of money for a, a great organization and a great uh, a great cause. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Ryan, you, you have anything to share? No, no, nothing. Okay, all right. got to get you guys, uh, you know, I know you've tossed around some ideas of uh, sort of spinning off into your old world of podcasts, and we've got to get that to happen. But in the meantime, it's great having you on this show, and it's also always great having you on uh, Cosmic Geppetto. So, very cool. Well, we love being on. Uh, Erico, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Please come interact with us on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Uh, Check us out on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod, or send us an email, flashgordonminute at gmail.com. Yeah, we recommend everyone do so. Uh, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Although uh, I'm 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 pretty scared of something, Eric. Scared? I am scared. You caught a little taste of it today, but uh, I'm pretty sure that Katie is uh, going to come prepared with even another uh, devastating Katie's question tomorrow. And uh, I, I'm I, I'm not sure I can handle it. Well, I'm not sure I can handle it either based on my performance uh, during Katie's question today. But you know what? We should not fret, Brad, because Flash will save every one of us. 
Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. Don't you stress It's a minute of dark